the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. Sexually based offenses are considered especially heinous. In New York City, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad known as the Special Victims Unit. Eric Roberts is a fucking man. He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began. We should give him every medal, every trophy, and award. He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard. Eric Roberts, the fucking man. Eric Roberts, the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. Welcome to episode 14 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the comprehensive examination of the life, career, and works of actor Eric Roberts. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as always, is Eric Roberts' protege, Todd Rigney. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right, Todd. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good. Have you been watching your share of Eric Roberts' movies lately? Uh, I have not. I have been... uh combing through the wasteland and fallout four so i have been slacking off a little bit well i wish i could excuse that behavior todd but i can't really you know this is our life's work our blood oath to cover all the television and movie and video music video appearances of eric roberts in some form or another on this podcast are you aware of that I, I was uh, vaguely aware of that. I don't mean to take you to task, Todd. It's okay. <laughs> you can take breaks every once in a while, but get back to the Eric Roberts minds I know, if you could. I know. Anyway, I can't talk to you for very long today, Todd. I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk about what we're supposed to talk about. But first, I really, really have to introduce our guest. Um, here on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast, we talk a lot about Eric Roberts. That's right, Todd. Is that correct? That, I, I believe that's correct. Mm-hmm. And we thought that it was time, high time, to focus on the legendary storied work that Eric has done on the Law & Order franchise. Now, uh, I have to be t- entirely honest up front. I love Law & Order, but my expertise has to do with OG Law & Order, the, the original franchise, and not so much the spin-offs, which is a little well, unfortunate. The, the original is the best. It's the best, and that is the voice of our guest, and I, I don't want to give away who that is yet, but, uh, but I'm glad that you said that, actually, mystery guest, because I was worried that someone was going to say, why are you focusing all of your attention on OG Law & Order when you have so many other Law & Orders you could be enjoying, like that one with that guy from Battlestar Galactica on it <laughs> that I never watched an episode of. I, I could be watching that, but I don't. So we had to bring in an expert, and... As we do things here on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, we couldn't just bring an expert on Law & Order. We had to bring also an expert on Eric Roberts. We had to find some sort of conflation. And in my brain, when I thought of Law and & Order and Eric Roberts, there was actually only one person who came to mind in the whole world, which is weird, but also really appropriate for what we're going to be doing today. It's actually... This this conflation, this bringing together of these two uh, pop culture uh, pieces uh, was all in the work of illustrator Brendan Bird, who's devoted a honestly a shocking amount of his work <laughs> to, to to Law and Order, uh, including uh, a Law and Order uh, coloring book, I believe. I know you did a yeah. have done maybe several art shows or at least one I know on Law I've and done, Order. I've done two 
solid Law and Order art shows. So Law and Order related art, and of course you do a lot of pop culture related art. I don't want to diminish anything that you do. I love a lot of it, and I shouldn't say a lot of it. Like <laughs> like there's some I hate. No, I love your work, and I've actually purchased some for family members in the past. I'm a big fan. Uh, but you also notably have done a a uh, a portrait. I apologize if I do. I use the shitty language. My art skills are zilch. No, no. Portrait, portrait is an art term. Uh, a portrait of Mr. Eric Roberts himself uh, in in a fantastical form. Is that correct? Yeah. You did. Uh, do you want me to expound further on that? Well, first, I just wanted to let people know. Now, this image is, I think, more than any other single image. <laughs> when I was thinking of, for some reason, for some reason, creating a ludicrous Eric Roberts-related podcast, that was the image, I think, that was most inspiring to me to say, you know what, this is something that can fly. This is something that people might actually listen to every once in a while on their way to work. Uh, And you created a painting, which was called The Ballad of Eric Roberts, and it has inspired me very, like, very much one of the key things that inspired (laughs) me to create this podcast. So what inspired you to create this piece of art? It was was sort of a a confluence of things. Um, The first was watching... The uh, 1996 uh, Doctor Who TV movie mm-hmm. with a friend of mine, and uh, I think it was like this was 2011, and I just like put it out on DVD, I think. Uh, so I Netflixed it, and we we're like watching it. And we we're just like, yeah, yeah, Eric Roberts, yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, he totally fits, because I guess like when I sort of think of an idea for something, mm-hmm. it's sort of taking. Um, like a figure or a subject, usually an actor or somebody who's just recognizable. Um, but also not like, yeah, I wouldn't do like the president or anybody that carries a lot of like intrinsic meaning or it, it, like, like, you know who Eric Roberts is. Not that many people have a strong opinion one way or the other about Eric Roberts. So that kind of person where it's like, yeah, you know him, but people don't really think about him. It's not an image that carries a lot of weight. So you can take those kind of figures and play around with them, do silly things with them, put them in a new context that makes you just be like, wait, what? What? Is, what? Um, so from watching the Doctor Who movie where he's the master and he's like, gosh, I'm trying to remember. He starts as like an EMT. That's and right. The doctor's enemy is like turned into a snake. Some sort of snake that crawls into his mouth and then he murders yeah, yeah. He murders the, his wife in the movie. He was actually played by Eric Roberts' mm-hmm. wife in real life. Uh, and then suddenly he is the master. And, uh, and I guess he's, uh, yeah, he's a very flamboyant master. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's got like, uh, he kind of, they gave him like a Terminator look, mm-hmm. I think, like a leather biker jacket. And then at the end of the movie, he goes crazy and has these big robes. <laughs> Uh, and anyway, it was that that, and I think my friend had just seen um, King of the Gypsies. Ah, which I honestly, my brother gave it to me for Christmas last year. I have not watched it yet. We we'd be upset about that. We'd be upset, except both <laughs> both Todd and myself <laughs> just watched it for our most recent episode of the show. Oh, wow. uh, and you know what? Pretty good. I mean, probably bad if you're a gypsy, <laughs> but good for people who don't have yeah. any particular feelings about gypsies. <laughs> oh yeah, and and she was like, "Oh, he used to be so beautiful." <laughs> Everyone thought he was so beautiful, and I was like, "Oh, sorry, people don't think that." 
Yeah, so so I was thinking of of I was like, I got to do something with Eric Roberts, but it's got to be like, I mean, you know, it's pretty easy. Like a lot of people will throw ideas at me. They'll be like, this person uh, mowing the lawn, or this person doing, <laughs> and it's sort of like this kind of grab bag randomness, like uh, like like it's it's like okay, that's silly but it's to me it's not funny if it's completely random right you know like you want like eric roberts is the perfect he's the perfect subject to do something with so i don't want to waste it i was like what can i do and then sort of separately i was thinking about doing because like you said i did a a law and order coloring book Mm -hmm. um several several years ago and sort of playing with like taking some sort of like like older childhood uh, form and kind of merging it with something that should never have a coloring book you know like oh they're finding dead bodies in the park (laughs) it's a coloring book and um so i like doing that like finding a thing like a form you know besides just doing a painting of something like oh uh like i did a nicholas cage color form set Right. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, I should do lunchboxes. <laughs> like those, pla- not the metal ones that were all ornate and good quality, but in the sort of later 80s where they just stopped, they stopped being metal and they're just all one color plastic, but with a sticker on the front. <laughs> with the ALF animated series on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of this anticlimactic, like, here's your lunchbox with one picture. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, what should be, what should, what should I do for lunchboxes? And I was like, oh, the first idea I had was um, the, the Clint Eastwood movie Gran Torino, which mm-hmm. uh, doesn't have Eric Roberts in it, so I don't know if you've seen it or not. <laughs> but uh, Todd, have you seen Gran Torino? I, I have seen Gran Torino. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but you know, that, like, it's, it's baby, baby, you can vouch. It's uh, uh, a movie that is both like a serious movie and also like super uh, after school, especially <laughs> like it's, it's very strange, like very strange. Like it ends with Clint Eastwood singing. <laughs> like it, you should see it. I recommend. Grand oh, Torino. I, I've, I've, I've seen, I've actually only seen clips, but I've certainly heard the Grand Torino <laughs> the song. song. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I was like, Oh, I should do a Grand Torino. It was sort of like, I basically did a drawing to make this graphic. It's like the Gran Torino as if it were turned into an animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that became one of the lunch boxes. And I was like, I don't want to do just, uh, what's just the second one being, I thought about doing, um, of course now Hannibal is huge, but I was going to do a red dragon lunch box. Right. right. Uh, and then I was just like, no, wait, Eric Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> And just in my mind, like instantly, I was like, "Oh, it's the Eric Roberts one is going to be like, like what an eight-year-old girl would <laughs> bring to third grade." So I was like, I saw him on. I was like, "Okay, it's a pink lunchbox." Eric Roberts, kind of like he's gonna be smiling, be sort of montagey. There'll be like a floating sky castle, like pink sky and stars. He'll be on horse, like. And that's so I made this painting pretty much just to be that image on the lunchbox. And like what happened was I was like, okay, now I gotta like should be easy to make. Just find some blank lunchboxes and then right. print stickers and just put the stickers on the lunchbox. 
And because I'd seen on like the sites that do like um, uh, uh, like business keychain printing, sure. like put put your address on a pen light or whatever. Uh, uh, one of the things a lot of those seemed to offer was put your get your company name like screen printed on a plastic lunchbox. I was like, that's weird. I'm like, but I bet I could just call them up and get a bunch of uh, plastic. Be like, hey, I, I don't want, don't print anything. Just like mail me the lunchboxes. And I did, but they were like, oh no, we're out of stock. I was like, really? <laughs> and I kept calling these different places and they're like, we're out of stock. And I figured out that like Thermos stopped production. Oh. But I was able to track down like the last 300 and like they're they're like well we have 300 they're all black and i was like well that's not as good as pink but okay ship me 300 black plastic lunch boxes and i was kind of dejected i was like oh i guess it'll just be black <sighs> and then this was like july 2011 i stopped at a target and i don't know why they were doing this in july but it was already back to school like sales and they're like four bucks hello kitty like pink plastic lunch i was like what <laughs> and I, I was like wait what because they I, they told me like oh we just don't make those anymore and i don't know where they came from i don't know if they were made like before i i don't know sitting in a grain silo or something <laughs> but i've I just went around like for a couple of weeks stopping at targets and like buying up a ton of uh, pink plastic Hello Kitty lunch boxes. And then uh, my friend Aaron, like I just paid her some money to peel off the stickers, (laughs) put on the the Eric Roberts stickers. (laughs) So you have this idea, you know, in your mind that this is right. This is the the concept you're going to go with. Eric Roberts, Like a lunchbox, uh, something like a like a a young girl would have on their lunchbox. Yeah. Do you ever? And this might this might be a, a horrible question. Do you ever, when you're in the process of putting something like that together, have self doubt about? Are people going to really kind of grab onto this? Is this something that because because you have you? Um, I mean, yeah. Like 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 uh, for the lunchboxes, I thought Gran Torino would be the the one. Right. But. People love, like, they like the Grand Torino, but they love the Eric Roberts one. Because it seems like, for one thing, and this is something that I find with a lot of your work, you just look at it and you smile or you laugh. <laughs> because, I mean, it is because it, sometimes it, it has recognizable figures in, uh, in situations and contexts that you just wouldn't expect them in. But in this case, this is even a little bit different than that. It is simply a really kind of polished Eric Roberts head in this kind of fantastical scene that looks exactly like what a young girl would have on their lunchbox in a world where Eric Roberts is somehow in his 50s a teen <laughs> idol or something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, for me, I want to, if I'm going to make something, it's got to be, like, the best version of that. Like, if the joke is going to work, you can't, like, half-ass it. (laughs) You know, like, you've got to be like, this has got to be a gorgeous portrait of it. Like, this has got to look like, you know, back in the early 80s when there were still illustrators who would, like, have to paint things for products. Um, And now, like, I see, like... You know, I'm no longer the only person doing this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
but so many people, you know, they're like, hey, I did the thing on the internet. It's like, this. It's, it's Anthony it's like, Michael Hall taking a shit. Now that's, that's <laughs> art now. Yeah, but it'd be like, uh, um, oh, I did like a what if thing. They don't go the extra step and actually like make it real. Right. They just kind of, here's my digital illustration of what if this had been a real thing? And it's like, nah. Like if I had just drawn a picture or just painted the lunchbox itself, that wouldn't be as good as like, no, this is a lunchbox. Like, yeah. This These is a exist real thing. in the world. People have them in their homes yeah, and they can yeah. show you, look, I can put lunch in it and bring it to work <laughs> if I want it. Yeah. It's like you've got, the joke is that that exists. So that then, of course, brings me on to a very famous picture of you with <laughs> Eric Roberts. And, these, and I, my understanding is the last of these lunchboxes. How did this happen? Uh, he, again, he was in Doctor Who. <laughs> and uh, this was early 2012. Um, and I'd seen in L.A. they have its uh, Gallifrey One, the Doctor Who convention. And I saw an advertisement. It's like, Eric Roberts will be a guest. I was like, oh, huh, 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 huh. I was like, should I go there? Should I give him one? And at that point, I was down to like maybe two or something. Anyway, I was like, okay, I'm sold out. Do you have one good lunchbox left? And I was a little scared because like you've seen some of the roles he's been in. Sure. You know, he might be the type of person who would murder you. Yeah, no, I mean, in fact, I think when you when it comes to an actor that has that sort of that has done that much work uh, and and works so often, which he does. I mean, he works a yeah. ridiculously large amount. You don't know what to expect. He could be a complete fucking wacko. Yeah, yeah, but he so so. I went there, my pal Shauna, go to the Doctor oh. Who convention, which is which is in the like lower levels of um, <laughs> like a Marriott. So it felt like like oh this this is what. You know, before Comic Con took off, like this is what these things were like most of the time. Um, and we actually snuck in because we couldn't find we couldn't find where to buy tickets, but no one ever asked us for tickets. <laughs> uh, so just like walking around and find Eric Roberts' table, and he's gone. He's not there. And I'd seen on Twitter somebody people were like really pissed because he was supposed to be on a panel and wasn't. And I was like. Oh, he went home, and yeah, it was kind of sad. And I was just sitting there, sitting like we walked around, sat down like in the lobby, sitting there with an Eric Roberts lunchbox, talking to my friend. And some people walked by and started talking to us. And somebody was like, "Oh, Eric Roberts." He's like, "You know, he's here, right?" And I'm like, "Well, he wasn't. He's not here, really." He's like, "No, no, no. He's back at his table. You should go." <laughs> we're like, "What?" go to this table and I, I can't remember how I initially like presented it to him but he saw it and he was there at his table with his wife Eliza I believe uh, that's right yeah and just they're just like chilling out and he sees it and he's like shocked and Eliza his wife is like oh that was on the internet that's <laughs> That's the thing that Emma showed us. <laughs> and he like, I'm like, yeah, I would like you to have this, the last one. And he, he like stood up. And he's like, come here. 
come in. He like gives me this big hug. And then he has me sign it to him. He's like, date. I was like, what? He's like, be sure to put a date on it. I was like, okay. So I sign the inside. I put the date on it. And then he like takes pictures of us all hugging us. Getting really close. He smells very nice. <laughs> and like he could not be like friendlier. And I was like, this is, this is amazing. And he seemed genuinely like happy. Like happy to see that, happy to get that. Because I imagine like people who do conventions probably get fan art yeah. thrown at them. Mm-hmm. But I imagine Eric Roberts maybe kept that lunchbox. It would, be, it would be very cruel if he had me sign it and then threw it into the garbage. That It does sound like you had pretty much the best possible interaction with him. Considering you went there, you didn't know what to expect. He could have been insane. Or he could have been just incredibly dismissive. It's like, yeah, yeah, toss it on the pile or in the garbage. Yeah, yeah. But it, it seemed like it was that's a pretty positive interaction. Yes, it, it was... It was it was amazing. I was I like amazing. You know, we ask at the uh, at the end of each discussion uh, of projects here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man whether the uh, the television show or the movie uh, it, if it refutes the idea of this podcast or if it kind of promotes the idea of the podcast, which is that he's the fucking man. So I should ask you, Brandon, in having met him and presented <laughs> him with your piece of art, would you say that yes, Eric Roberts is the fucking man? Oh, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Well, there you go. There More you proof. Go. More proof. Because what, what my impression of, uh, like, because he's just sitting, he's like chilling out with his wife. They seem to be having just a fun time together. I think Eric Roberts has it all figured out. This is something that we've been discovering more and more over recent episodes. Our most recent episode had a writer for the AV Club, uh, Will Harris, who's interviewed Eric Roberts many times, has done random roles, interviews with him and things like that. And um, when you read those interviews, you get the impression he works a lot, but he's working mostly because him and his wife, they like to travel, they like to go, right? He goes all over the world, he works for a few days here and a few days there. He told a story about the Roger Corman movie Sharktopus, where he w- he's in that film because uh, he wasn't going to get paid much, but he got a free trip and all of his family were able to come along. It's basically he's getting free vacations <laughs> during er- and he has to, you know, <laughs> act a little bit on the way. Yeah. No, no, no I totally. It's seen, and his, his Twitter feed, a lot of it is just like, hey, my friend's playing a show. Usually hey. that's, his, that's his son, by the way That he's usually tweeting about playing his son playing but, a show. but it's also sometimes just like Oh, and this other band will be playing there Or, that's like, right. or, or like something that's tangentially related to David Duchovny David Duchovny, we are obsessed with his obsession with David Duchovny I think, I think they're friends I think They they're, must be, right? Because I, 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 my impression is that it has something to do There's like some band connection there that's right. Because, yeah, because David Duchovny plays music as well. Uh, I don't know if Eric Roberts, what he plays. I know that in an episode of Celebrity Wife Swap, he jams by sitting next to someone playing a guitar. <laughs> and he was, in, he was in that Chris Cornell video playing a guitar, but not really playing a guitar. So th- maybe think, there's some sort of musical connection. what it might be is that he has played with his son. Right. That Duchovny has played with his son or played, like, the same shows, something like that. That's my I, love, I, I have not looked into this. I do love in, the idea 
Uh, well, we should have, but we certainly haven't. Uh, but the I, the idea of Eric Roberts watching that NBC show Aquarius with David Duchovny, <laughs> which he seemed like for like a few weeks there, it's like, oh wow, I can't wait till Aquarius tomorrow night on NBC to no, watch my David Duchovny. It seems like it's literally like somebody just be like, hey, you guys should support my friend. Yeah, which is so sweet and nice yeah, and different. Yeah, because he also, there's somebody in his family, I think, or related to his family, who runs a bakery. Yeah, I think it's, it's his daughter, actually. Okay, or, yeah. Or maybe and, stepdaughter. Yeah, yeah. He'll just be like, hey, you guys should go to Pie Bake Shop. Got <laughs> and it's like, oh, like how, how sweet. Like, it's not <laughs> like he's like plugging, like, this is my family's projects. He's just like, I got a good slice of pie today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? There's a sincerity to his interactions. I'd hate to think, by the way, that it's not even him writing this stuff at all. No, no, no. <laughs> I am pretty sure that's Eric Roberts. Because I, li- I like when it goes into the tangents of, like, air travel and stuff like that. That's right. Or I had a great experience on Delta Airlines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, there's, there's no way he subcontracts that stuff. No way. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for that story, Brandon. It uh, is actually it's very heartening to hear <laughs> positive Eric Roberts news. You know, you said uh, when you were talking about coming up with the concept of the lunchbox that there are the people don't really have a strong opinion about Eric Roberts, and you're absolutely right, except for the people that we brought onto the show who suddenly <laughs> form really strong opinions about <laughs> Eric Roberts really quickly, usually based on one role or something that they've seen. Uh, so it's nice to have some you know evidence of. of positivity out there so with that in mind we need to of course cover what the latest eric roberts news is on uh the roberts report Yes, episode 13's Roberts Report, where we're going to be talking about the latest Eric Roberts news. Uh, some listeners of the show will remember on our most recent episode, we talked about Eyes of the Roshi, a upcoming action-adventure film uh, starring Eric Roberts. Uh, they've been very kind to us, almost obscenely kind to us on social media, <laughs> <laughs> basically retweeting everything I've said or thought over the last couple of days, whether it has to do with Eyes of the Roshi or not, but still kind nonetheless. Uh, we did uh, focus on the trailer last time around, but I did want to uh, point out, and I will uh, put in the show notes, that there was an article written about Eyes of the Roshi, written by Will Harris, our most recent guest. And it does have a quote from actor-slash-producer Ethan Martin saying about working with Eric, I found him to be an absolute prince. Now, after that, uh, on our most recent episode, we had that wonderful quote from Guillermo del Toro talking about how great Eric Roberts is. Here's another positive quote. Unfortunately, on this article, it does have uh, <laughs> one reply by someone who wasn't so positive. <laughs> so, so this particular person, for some reason, has a vendetta, not against Eric Roberts, but about anyone's, I guess, egocentric action-adventure project. And they say, uh, and they, she, she starts by quoting, Martin who, in addition to starring in the film and serving as one of its producers, is Light Age Films' president and CEO. She's quoting that, and then says, This tells you everything you need to know. Martin is an actor who has never made it in Hollywood or never tried, so he raised $500,000 and cast himself in a movie since nobody else would. Ouch. Ouch. I mean, this is pretty vicious. Eric Roberts, bless his heart, hmm, would show up to the opening of an Arby's for (laughs) $100,000. 
Expect the movie to premiere at the Red Box in front of the Food Lion in Aragona Village. If you have $500,000, you two can star in a movie with Julia Roberts' brother. Very, very mean. Very, very uncalled for, I would say. It sounds like this person has some sort of vendetta. Uh, Todd, thoughts on Eric Roberts showing up at an Arby's for $100,000? Uh, I, I honestly uh, wouldn't put it past him. And if, oh, you, hey. <laughs> and if you ask me, $100,000 is probably a little lowball considering how much is, they this, charge for a sandwich, man. This is a pro-Eric Roberts podcast, mister. I want you to keep this clean. <laughs> hey, Let us also I'm just rem- by the track record. Uh, well, I think that's a little that's a little unfortunate that you would put things like that because, of course, Eric Roberts is a vegetarian, and I don't think, as someone who is a strict vegetarian, he would necessarily show up at an Arby's, uh, maybe a Subway or something like that. Could be, but a hundred thousand dollars, we'll see. We'll we'll make an offer to his people <laughs> and see what happens. Todd, the finality of life it sucks a big fucking cock. I'm not just saying that. That's not me. That's a quote from the film Real Gangsters by Frank D'Angelo. Now, Frank D'Angelo is known in Ontario circles or Toronto circles as the owner of a company uh, called D'Angelo Brands, which markets an energy drink called Cheetah. And Cheetah is most well-known in Canada because there was a series of commercials for it starring disgraced former Olympic athlete Ben Johnson. Uh, Do you remember, Todd, the 1988 Olympics? Uh, I do not. Ben Johnson was a runner for Canada in the 1988 Olympics and was found to have taken a lot of steroids and was at one point considered the world's fastest man, but he was stripped of it. He was disgraced. Uh, But uh, despite that, he still appeared in these Cheetah commercials. I'm not just saying this randomly. Frank D'Angelo has created a film called uh, Sicilian Vampire. And if you checked out uh, recently on the Vanity Fair website, you'll actually find out some information about Sicilian Vampire because they had a really interesting article basically asking the question, what the fuck is James Caan doing in this low-budget vampire Canadian movie, or Canadian vampire movie, uh, uh, called Sicilian Vampire? But the fact is, Sicilian Vampire has a star-studded cast. Yeah, it does. It has it has a Pope of Greenwich Village reunion between Daryl Hannah and Eric Roberts, as well as Armando Santi, uh, D- Daniel Baldwin, Robert Loja, hockey legend Phil Esposito, and Paul Sorvino, a Law & Order connection right here. So <laughs> we're going to be talking a lot about Sicilian Vampire in a future episode. Brandon, would you watch a movie called Sicilian Vampire? Um, you know, if Eric Roberts was in the uh, Netflix description, Yes. Right. Well, I'm telling you right now, he's in this movie. Now, what we've learned on recent episodes of this show is just because Eric Roberts is in a movie doesn't mean he's necessarily in the movie, in that he might be a sheriff on screen for 30 seconds in some <laughs> sort of weird Christian movie that came out a couple of years ago. But but it could be it could feature maybe among those names. I certainly expect more Eric Roberts than James Caan. So you're saying that if you ran into this on Netflix, you would say, you know what? Clear off the next two hours of my life. I'm watching Sicilian Vampire. Mm, I, I mean, I watch a lot of Netflix. Most of what I watch, though, is like I put it on in the background while I'm working. Right. Like painting or whatever. So, like, it's not – I'm not – I wouldn't be putting aside a whole two hours Oh, I see what you're that. saying. Oh, okay, okay. I think that's fair. Though that does beg the question, what's the sort of thing that you usually do put on in the background? What kind of Netflix material makes for the best painting environment? Uh, I, do, on, honest answer, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, 30 Rock. Oh, that's, oh episodes that, of 30 Rock. Yeah, because it's like very, um, very quick. 
like right, all right. jokes punchline, punchline, right? Absolutely. And you can a, a lot of the jokes are not uh, visual, so you don't have to necessarily be looking at it, but it's kind of like a radio play of like familiar people that you like talking to you while you work. Do you listen to podcasts at all, Brandon? Uh, it's not really because it's um, I don't know how to describe this. Like, mm-hmm. like if a podcast is good, it's kind of engaging. I understand like, what you're saying. Like, <laughs> 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 no, no, no. like, like, like it gets you like thinking. Like, hmm, how do I feel about that? What, are, what is my opinion? And what it's are kind my of, feelings on Eric Roberts? It's kind of taking away like a bit of like mental energy to like keep sure. up with that. So if it's something that it's that's familiar, like oh, I've seen this show before, I'll put it on for like kind of background interaction because you don't want to be too far in your own sure. head while you're working. You want like a little bit of distance from. I see what you're saying. Sure. Like, if, if a podcast is good, you're going to be focusing too much attention on it, and if it's bad, it's not providing that even minor level of engagement that you need in order to keep your brain sort of active. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly yeah, so, what you're saying. So what I'm what you're saying is fuck podcasts. They make bad <laughs> working conditions. And uh, honestly, I'm turned around on the idea of having an Eric Roberts podcast at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, are you a fan of Game of Thrones? Uh, yeah. Now I've never watched Game of Thrones. My wife is a big fan. Uh, I did. I, it, sometimes these things happen where my wife will watch a television show and be like five episodes into it, and I'll feel like that's too much for me to overcome to catch up with her. So she'll just keep watching, and I'll never see it <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> because that's that makes my life. Sense. Like, um, yeah. Honestly, yeah, it, I can't really remember what happened in the last season of Game of Thrones. Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen on the next season of Game of Thrones. You're going to be finding <laughs> possibly. Well, I'll tell you for sure. That Max von Sydow was showing up because he tweeted that he was joining the cast of Game of Thrones. Max von and, Sydow tweets? Oh, yeah. Max von Sydow has – well, I don't know if he's ever tweeted anything else, actually, <laughs> to be totally honest. But he definitely <laughs> tweeted that he was joining the cast of Game of Thrones. Is Max von Sydow's uh, icon an egg? Because <laughs> that might not <laughs> be Max von Sydow. <laughs> let me say with 70% assurance <laughs> – that Max von Sydow or his people are tweeting on his behalf about him joining the cast of Game of Thrones. Uh, and now this is, we can trust Max von Sydow or the version of Max von Sydow that we're talking about because it was reported elsewhere and I think confirmed. But that's, what does that have to do with Eric Roberts? Well, on this show, we have a weird conspiracy theory if you can call it that, that Max von Sydow, when he wrote this tweet, he actually tagged a bunch of people in it. All these people who were on Game of Thrones. And he also tagged Eric Roberts for no fucking reason at all. <laughs> so we have taken that, and not just us. This is something that I have looked out into the world yeah, yeah. and discovered. Others have thought that this might be confirmation that Eric Roberts will be joining the cast of Game of Thrones. And in fact, we've gone, I would say somewhat overboard, Todd might confirm that, that for sure he's joining the cast of Game of Thrones. And in fact, they may be pushing the premiere of it back just to make sure that they can get <laughs> Eric Roberts in there. Uh, I did a little research over the last couple of days. Found a message board where people were discussing this very fact, uh, and a user named Gutshot posted, I find it much more likely that an 86-year-old man mistweeted than the production actually <laughs> casting Eric Roberts. Now, I'm, I'm just going to talk to Gutshot for a second here. We've reported it on this show. Anyway, Max von Sydow seems like a very competent man. He was in Strange Brew. He's in The Seventh Seal. He was in The Exorcist. I think that that is a... Too? Ghostbusters and, 2. And Rush Hour 3 and Judge Rush- Dredd. 
Okay, okay, you can stop talking now. Uh, so <laughs> what I'm saying is that that is a pattern of respectable, honest behavior. And it, look, but this is... I, oh, I is someone, someone going to argue with me now? <laughs> yeah. It can be an error. It's not necessarily his fault, because what if he's Tweety? What if he, he does at E, R, and then the autofill thing pops up and is like, oh, you mean Eric Roberts? And he really meant... Somebody else. <laughs> I, I was also searching my brain for someone whose names start with ER. <laughs> Maybe the official ER NBC uh, Twitter page, which I'm sure <laughs> is out there. Yeah, you know what? Now that you say that, I suppose that is possible. However, if I was one of Max von Sydow's people, I'd be very scared that Max von Sydow would say, people are telling me that Eric Roberts has been attached to this tweet, and they would have to delete it, and of course form a new tweet without Eric Roberts in there. I'm just saying experts at social media don't make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Not of this magnitude. So ex- expect any other data. theory, oh. which mm-hmm. seems probably the truth based on everything we've talked about. Um, you know, who's to say that uh, Eric Roberts and Max aren't very good friends who bonded right. over the uh, bake shop they own together? And Max knows, he's like, my good friend Eric is a fan of Game of Thrones. I should tag him in this tweet. That's, you know what? And I believe, and this, this might be me misremembering, that Eric Roberts actually replied to that tweet, giving some sort of congratulations. So, you know, that does back up your theory pretty strongly. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll keep an open mind on this one. Fans of the show know that we talk a lot about Hashtag Speedball, a Fast and the Furious meets paintball movie that may or may not ever happen, but was at one point reported to star Eric Roberts before having a Kickstarter campaign that was successful, but then they somehow lost all of their money. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, there's not been any updates to this Fast and the Furious meets paintball movie, but uh, I uh, I have liked them on Facebook. So if there are any hashtag speedball updates, you, the listeners, will be the first to know. So keep your eyes and ears peeled to Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Wait, wait, Finally, wait. Is the movie yes. called Speedball or is it called Hashtag Speedball? Hashtag yeah. Speedball. you got to put oh, the hashtag amazing. in there. I will say that if you look up hashtag Speedball on Twitter, don't find much about the movie, actually. <laughs> So maybe that's something they're holding back on for their their big social media push. They should hire a Max von Sydow's people. Um, finally, on this edition of the Roberts Report, we I think Todd, did we look at the movie Maximum Impact before? Uh, I believe so. I believe so because I remember us making some sort of comment on it being a particularly oh, yes. generic sounding title. Yes. But uh, more information uh, has been released about Maximum Impact, which is apparently about the agents of the Federal Security Service of Russia and the U.S. Secret Service are forced to work together (laughs) to prevent a full-scale international crisis. Sounds pretty great. Sounds pretty interesting. And it does feature Eric Roberts as Secretary of State Robert Jacobs which is unfortunately a step down from being president of the United States, <laughs> as he was in, of course, the legendary First Dog, which in that movie he co-starred with Tony Tiny Lister. But this film features both the educated feet of Mark Skaskos and the educated machete of Danny Trejo. So as you can imagine, this one's probably going straight to Blu-ray or DVD or whatever. Uh, but still, action. I love Mark Skaskos. What do you think about, uh, let's say, Todd? What do you think about Mark Skaskos? I'm a big fan. Big fan. Are you? Yes, I am. You, you like that? Did you like the Crow television show? Uh, I, you know, I watched it, and I did not regret it. Huh, that's, you're the only person <laughs> I think who's ever said that. Uh, and how about uh, Iron Chef America? 
you know, I didn't watch too much Iron Chef America. You know, once he introduced the food, that, that was pretty much the money shot for me. Maximum Impact is from the director, actually a fairly high-end director, a director of Exit Wounds, Romeo Must Die, Doom, <laughs> the, uh, with, with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and recently Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. This does beg the question, Brandon, what is your favorite Street Fighter character? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, I don't know, Blanca, I think. Hmm. I think I liked him, because you could, He's like... sort of animal-like. What? He's sort of like Blanca is the one that's like a, a, a wild animal. Yeah, he's person. like green and orange, and you could you could like you you could just push the button a lot and he would shoot electricity. You didn't have to learn any complicated moves, but you could still win pretty easily. Hmm. Okay, so you like the character that you can spam to win, yeah, and annoy your friends with, <laughs> like the odd job of Goldeneye. Uh, I, I like the character. I like, I like not having to learn all the like down, right, up, push thing. Blah. You just push the button a lot. Push but one down, button right, a up, lot. Blah is how you do the fireball or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's too much. That's too much. Todd, favorite Street Fighter character? Uh, I would go with Chun Li for the exact same reason he said. You know, you could just kind of like uh, move the joystick around, hit a couple of buttons, and she'd kick the shit out of people. What about E Honda? He had the thousand hand slap. Uh, huh. Nope. Uh, is that is that your favorite? No, 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 no. I'm Dalzim all the way, of course. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, but I just I just was throwing that out there because if you're going to spam someone, I mean Blanca, that's a good answer actually. That's probably better than your answer, Todd. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. I'm used to it by now. Yeah, because 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 with Blanca, like like with the the sumo guy, you could jump over him and attack oh. from behind. With his hand thingy, you could jump over that. But Blanca, as long as he's lit up, you can't. You touch him and you get shocked. Right, and he can roll around the screen if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I played uh, Street Fighter in any form. But that's enough. That's enough news about Eric Roberts. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> we've maybe moved a little way away from Eric <laughs> Roberts at the end there. Uh, we need to take our first Here's break. Here's a question, because... though. Oh, okay, yes. What Street Fighter character would Eric Roberts play? Now, this is interesting. Now, as you probably already know, Brandon, Eric Roberts, a few years ago, was in the Dead or Alive movie, which was an adaptation of a fighting video game where he was the bad guy in that movie. Uh, and uh, I don't know if that character that he played in that movie was actually based on a character from the game. In fact, I suspect that he wasn't. But that does give us an idea of the sort of martial arts background, you know, even going back to Best of the Best, that Eric Roberts might bring to the table in this capacity. Uh, again, not being a big expert of at Street Fighter, I'm going to have to go to Todd once again. Todd, who is the perfect <laughs> Eric Roberts character? Beats the hell out of me. I can't remember Isn't... any of the characters beyond... Uh... <laughs> yeah, Chun Li. I'm gonna say Chun Li. I'm just that's my. Isn't there a character? Answer. Isn't there a character named Dan who sucks? Like that's his joke is that he's a really shitty character. Maybe in like a, a sequel. I don't know. Maybe I think it might have been the sequel. Maybe I'm not talking about the original Street. Yeah, Fighter Yeah, I, I only I don't know anything past Street Fighter Two. All right, then I'll have to go with. Well, you know what? I think Eric Roberts would make a fine Ryu. How about, do we have a confirmation on that? Can anyone back me up? No, you, you I know? could see like young Eric Roberts in the 80s. Yeah, I can see that. And o- old Eric Roberts could be... I think uh, he would be the left. villain. He would be... M. Bison. Yeah. 
Yeah, you could probably do that spinning attack. Let's stop talking about Street Fighter 2. Okay. <laughs> and take our first break, because when we return... Oh, wait, we're talking about Law & Order on this episode. In fact, we're talking about the two episodes of Law & Order that featured Mr. Eric Roberts in them. First, we're going to be talking about Law & Order SVU Season 2, Episode 13, followed up by Law & Order Criminal Intent Season 7, Episode 13. Yeah, we're going to take a break, come back and talk about SVU right after this. Okay, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, Victims. Yeah, it's not just the name of the show, it's also the name of the episode. This is a 2001 episode featuring well, all your favorites from Law and Order, Special Victims Unit. As I've mentioned before, OG Law and Order is my specialty, it's what I know. So SVU is not something I have a lot of experience with. I do know that Chris Maloney stars in it. I know that it has uh, a much, <laughs> I know now that it has a much more interesting supporting cast than the uh, Criminal Intent does, or at least just my opinion, certainly. This episode features Elliot, who is uh, Maloney, facing a personal demons when Cragen asks to him to investigate the murder of a convicted rapist that Elliot himself has helped to put away. Frankly, it's a pretty dark episode. It's, uh, I imagine most SVU episodes are because of the, uh, the context of the show itself. It features Eric Roberts as a former cop who's the head of a sort of like a, a, not a vigilante group, but a group that keeps an eye on in the community uh, sexual offenders and they put up flyers and things like that. And for a great deal of this episode, he's the number one suspect for having killed and in fact maybe uh, be a serial killer of child molesters. Let's start with uh, with you, Brandon, since you're mm-hmm. a Law & Order expert. What is, what for one thing, what's great about Law & Order? Why the hell would anyone watch Law & Order? <laughs> oh, gosh, where do I even begin? Well, first of all, like, mm-hmm. like you said at the top, um, you know, my, my heart is with the original Law & Order. Sure. This is Special Victims. Special Victims Unit has far less of a formula than the, ori- the original Law & Order was sort of cleanly cut in half you have the investigation of a murder and then you have a prosecution right and special special sometimes they would break from that formula like in the 90s and they do i don't want to say like very special episodes but they'd have sort of sort of like uh episodes where the drama comes out of like the gray area of like well we don't really know how to prosecute these crimes like oh mccoy's going off on a uh <laughs> uh like a rapist who is released and do we have the right to like tell everybody that he's in the neighborhood and make it impossible for him to get a job? Like what's the solution here? Life is complicated. (laughs) And they're like, Oh, a lot of those episodes are like our best episodes. Let's do a whole series of that. So that's kind of where special victims unit came from. And it doesn't, it's most of the time is mostly police investigation it goes down a lot of weird, like, 
story kind of alleyways, like spending a lot of time on red herrings. On is there more continuity on it? It seems like it's more. It's, it's more interested in continuity. It it's sort of. It has a weird kind of sloppy continuity. Like like it's mm-hmm. more about the characters than original Law and Order. Original Law and Order was more like. Um, I would almost compare it to like Star Trek: The Next Generation, where story-wise, it's more about the person's job, right? You know, so you could like slot out somebody, like, oh, he is the chief engineer. This is the security chief. This is, and when there's a problem, they work in like a story mechanics way to solve right. that plot, plot kind of like. So because the thing about. The thing about OG Law and Order is that there's usually only two police officers. Yeah. Here we have four, including the Bells, yeah, and, Richard and, Belzer, and, and Ice-T. At, I think in the middle of the run of the sh- series, like they added even more police people. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, police psychologist, ME, extra invest, like, yeah, there's a, it's mostly like police stuff, and it's sort of... Like, uh, they'll do a lot of, like, character drama. Like, Elliot's having problems at home. or Elliot has HIV. <laughs> that was... <laughs> that, I'm not being flippant about no, no, the, that the is news, in this episode. news going on. That does happen in this Which episode. Which is then least... resolved in the next episode. Like, he, there's a scare where some blood, like, splashes on him. Sorry, you said that it gets resolved. Can you tell me what happens? Oh, he just tests negative for it. Oh, okay. Hmm. All right, a little anticlimactic there, yeah, actually. Yeah, it was, it was like he had been bandaged. It, it, like, the blood didn't actually, like, touch him, I guess. It did seem like it would be very unlikely he would have gotten uh, it into his bandaged wound in that situation. They, the, the, for those who haven't seen the episode, <laughs> they pull a, a woman who has attempted to commit suicide. I shouldn't be laughing while I'm saying this, actually. Uh, and he, uh, she has HIV, and, and he gets uh, the blood all over himself. And he had noticeably... Like, the episode makes a point of showing him get a wound earlier, and you're thinking, how is this going to play into the end of the show? And that's how it ends up uh, playing into it. Todd, I know you're actually a big fan of Law & Order as well. Uh, Can you echo what Brandon just said? Are those the reasons that people want to watch Law & Order and binge it like I did in my college years? Uh, Yeah, I mean, a lot of what he said is true. Uh, I love the split between the... uh the investigative side and the prosecution side. And, uh, I mean, I really was drawn to the characters. Like, uh, what really got me into it originally was, uh, cause I'm a big fan of Paul Servino and, uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed his, uh, seasons on there, but what really sunk me, you're going to, you're going to enjoy Sicilian vampire starring <laughs> Paul Servino. But what, Eric <laughs> what really, uh, hooked me was, uh, Jerry Orbach as Lenny Briscoe. Like mm-hmm. Lenny Briscoe is my hero. I always said that if I made oh, yeah. it in television, I, I'm doing like a Lenny Briscoe prequel because I just love that character so much. No, I've fantasized about like somebody doing a comic book, series, like official, yeah, law, like, set in the '70s. Law, uh, Lenny's a beat cop. Yes, yes, oh, that'd be so great. It would. No, oh, Len, they, like Jerry Orbach is Jerry Orbach is the reason. Everybody loves Law and Order. It's the yeah. reason it was popular enough to even do spinoffs. Like, yeah. Now, okay, I have to ask Brandon you a very, very serious question, mm-hmm. and a lot is riding on the answer, and I think I already know the answer: Michael Moriarty or Sam Waterston? Oh, Sam Waterston. Come on. Now that's that's interesting. Now let's go back over to Todd. Todd, same question. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Sam Waterston. 
Okay. All right. I'm going to go with Michael Moriarty on this. And I've watched a lot of OG Law and Order. And I have to say, I love Michael Moriarty. And yes, I understand that he's insane. Yes, I understand <laughs> that he lost his fucking mind and moved to Eastern Canada. I know that. And it's, I'm not saying that just because I'm Canadian that I take this side. I just really, I found his, I love Sam Watterson. I've watched Capricorn 1 too many times <laughs> to, to count. <laughs> and I love him on Law and Order. But Michael Moriarty, to me, he just feels so sincere and he has that that gravitas to everything like sir sir what about you know <laughs> I, I i liked i liked how he would do like when he the more the more uh mad he gets at someone mm. the more polite he gets <laughs> like that's that's amazing i'm like if i'm ever in an argument so i gotta do that but then you start referring to him as like sir and like being super polite but the, th- the thing i noticed recently um because now Law & Order it used to be on just TNT, the reruns, and now it's on all these weird... It's on TNT, sure. but it's also on, like, WeTV and ION TV. It's like, <laughs> it seems like it's on more channels on cable than it ever was before. I watched it on A&E at, like, 3 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> for years and years. Uh, but but a couple weeks ago, or maybe two months ago, three, I don't know, but there was, like, a big block. They were showing a lot of those, like, season 3, season 4 ones with Michael Moriarty. And it really struck me how much of a mansplainer he was. Oh. Because they did, they did a lot of uh, like early 90s social issue episodes. That's that, absolutely. You know, about because, you know, back then there was a lot like fear of like the black riots following Rodney King. So they do these episodes about that. And you had Michael Moriarty like explaining this stuff. <laughs> To his assistant district attorney, who is black, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> or like, and then, or like, women's issues to be uh, like, "Well, now we can't go. We can't be too uh, like radical on it." I'm like, "What the whip?" And yet, somehow, he was still like, the the character was meant to be like super liberal. That's true, like, which is was, so strange. Very, it made me realize just how old. Those episodes. Are now. I mean, those early those those first couple of seasons. I was watching some season one episodes recently, and you know those are take place in the late eighties. And of course, I've only been in New York a few times, but I'll tell you, very different place now. Oh yeah, than it yeah, wasn't yeah. nineteen eighty. And and all those like every episode was based on some sort of incident that had happened around that time. I'll tell you, if you want to get a really fucked up history of the United States throughout the nineties, <laughs> watch as much Law and Order as possible because it's all just variations on shit that was in the news at the time. I, I think that's fat. Like that—that that is a genuine reason why I love the show. It's just like, oh, like you know, reading it. Not reading, watching. They did a lot of stuff about like the militia movement in the nineties, mm-hmm. like the sort of weird, like the Timothy McVeigh, like white power yeah, movement. Absolutely. And I'm like, oh my god, that stuff didn't just like pop up now. Like that has like like roots. Like that's all been like brewing and ugh, mm-hmm. weird. It's like history. It's like a. It's a time capsule. You know it is, and honestly, when I, I wasn't being flippant, I mean, yeah. you really can learn a lot about yeah, yeah. what what was going on at that time period and the kind of uh, the the temperature. In yeah, the country. yeah, like the psychological uh, or the zeitgeist aspect. Absolutely, yeah. And if Michael Moriarty is coming off as the sane one, then you know things have gone really bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we should talk about this episode a little bit. Uh, what did you think of the episode, Brandon? Um, I, I rewatched it yesterday, and um, I kind of don't remember how it ends. It kind of trailed off. 
Maloney. Um. <laughs> no, what happens is that woman who works at that center, she was the one killing everybody. Oh, Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> because uh, because and she had HIV and she was doing it sort of. In fact, she had AIDS at that point and she was going to die. Um, um, she said that. I'm not just. I'm not making that uh, interpretation. Yeah, SVU has, and I think this is the reason why it is. I mean, it's still on TV and like, I th- I think it is possibly more popular than the original. I th- I think and it, it's at because least at the it, was. it ended up being. Like it started from this impulse to like do more serious shows or like about mm. more serious topics, but it somehow like become way more pulpy. Like it'll do these serious topics and then kind of add a twist to just become kind of absurd. I will say that compared to the original Law and Order, at least my memory of it, this one tries to pull the, um, the the um... like the switch. The... Yeah, it does the switch, right? It's like it's like you got to draw all your attention. It looks like it's this person for sure, but you, this red herring thing is just going to be, you know, maybe even multiple red herrings. Yeah. Uh, before getting to the final person, which seems a lot more ludicrous in these examples than it would be on the original show, which is like, oh yeah, it probably was the person's son all along because, of course, it would be. <laughs> uh... Yeah, yeah, like doing something like, oh, this episode, it's going to be about AIDS, but it's going to be about a person with AIDS who's murdering people. And you're like, uh, okay, that's bizarre. Uh, we do get quite a bit of, of Eric Roberts in this episode, uh, certainly compared to some other episodes. I, uh, <laughs> I really like his uh, costume choices. He's wearing like a flannel over a thermal tucked into jeans. I liked how hard the episode wanted us to, to – it's like, it's got to be Eric Roberts doing it. Every time they're at a crime scene, he's just like floating around the background. Yeah. It's like, hey, it's Eric fucking Roberts. I wonder how he's going to play into things. Todd, I got to get over to you. Todd, what did you think of the episode? Uh, you know, having uh, watched a lot of the newer ones, I had forgotten how good the earlier seasons were, uh, were because, I mean, the, the newer ones, they're, they're, it's really gone off the rails. Like, they try to do all these uh, – I think the the one of the more recent episodes had to do with like a Duggar style family, and it just seems really kitschy and campy, and it doesn't seem to have the uh, doesn't seem to be grounded at all. So I really enjoyed going back to the earlier seasons because this is kind of what I enjoyed uh, SVU, you know, th- this kind of yeah. stuff that they tackled. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Like it totally, it started more grounded. Yeah, you could see though, like the seeds of yeah of what it would become. Like yeah. the, the pulpiness and like the the wackiness. Yeah, and they, they tend to use the uh, celebrity guest as a red herring because, you know, like one of the more recent episodes had Chris Elliott, but, you know, he seems guilty, but not oh, really. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like they do that route a little bit too, eh? The, the, the comedian showing yeah. up. Didn't, wasn't Stephen Colbert on an episode semi-recently? <laughs> he was on Criminal Intent. Oh, he was on Criminal Intent? Then I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, Chris Maloney, though. Chris Maloney is a very intense actor who can also do comedy. What do we think about Chris Maloney, Brandon? Oh, I I, I love Chris Maloney. Todd, echo this one? I'm a a big fan of Christopher Maloney, but he'll always be Gene from Wet Hot American Summer in my mind. It is hard to watch this show, and having seen both Wet Hot American Summer and and actually his other roles, not only in the sequel to Wet Hot American Summer, but in... um, Holy shit, I can't believe... Well, he was in... uh, He played the uh, hotel clerk in... uh, uh, Fear and Loathing oh, in Las yeah, Vegas. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's not what I'm trying to think of, Todd. 
Come on, man. No, the 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 film, uh, the Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler uh, one, also by David Wayne. The oh, the they came together. They came together, which I love. I love they came together, and I felt like it was uh, unfortunately maligned by a lot of people. But he's hilarious in that as well. And it's very difficult to see him. I mean, he's not in just intense mode in this episode. He is intense to the point of being almost fired <laughs> constantly throughout this entire episode. Throughout, of course, throughout the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> How now? You you have both watched a lot more of SVU than I have. At what, like, does he like snap? I mean, he's already snapped. I think even at this point, up to he says about finding the guy originally and almost blowing his fucking head off. But like, um, does he like really snap on the show? Uh, hard to say. Oh, okay. Because I feel like they use that as a plot. Like Elliot does something, like you know punches the guy in the interrogation room and now the statement's out and they can't use it and oh, oh but it all worked out like like he he has done something in real life that would be fireable probably like a dozen times like yeah. once or twice a year and um when he left they weren't planning on writing him out it was like last minute contract he was just like you know what actually i'm done um but the last episode that he was in was, I don't remember the series of events that led to this, but it was, as often happens in Law & Order Special Victims Unit, somebody, a suspect or whatever, has snuck a gun into the squad room and they're opening fire. And so Elliot shot the suspect, but it was a, like a 12-year-old girl. What? Yeah, yeah. And... uh so the next episode, they're like, yeah, so after Elliot shot that girl, he was like, uh, I don't think I want to be a cop anymore, and he retired. <laughs> All right, well, that, that sounds like as much as Special Victims Unit as anyone needs to know about. <laughs> Todd, what did you think about those scenes where Chris Maloney and Eric Roberts, they had their, well, there's a really great one where uh, Chris, Manoli, Chris Maloney uh, tells a, like a monologue about his own experiences to try to get Eric Roberts to so, sort of confess. What did you think of that particular sequence in particular? I thought that was probably you know the best part of the whole show, and not just because I'm an Eric Roberts fan. Well, maybe a little, but uh, huh. it was. Uh, I, I like the play between the two because you know you've got Christopher Maloney who is kind of like a, a hard nosed cop, and you've got uh, uh, Eric Roberts who plays kind of like. What Christopher Maloney could very easily his character char- ah, his character could very easily end up being like somebody that you know kills a rapist and drops a gun to you know make it look like he you know it was a clean shoot and uh, I really like the interplay between the two of them. Brandon, you've seen a lot of Law and Order in the wide scope of celebrity appearances on Law and Order. How does Eric Robert rank Eric Roberts rank in this episode? Now, I know, of course, Law & Order is renowned for having a before-they-were-stars type deal going on where lots of people appeared before they were famous, but we can include them as well. Is he above Samuel L. Jackson as the lawyer in that one episode? (laughs) I mean, those ones are the best. (laughs) Yes, they are. Where you watch the first season, it's like, Philip Seymour Hoffman and... Everybody else, and uh, I mean, yeah, a, a bunk from uh, from the wires here, and yeah, it, it's a lot of fun actually to watch those <laughs> yeah, for that purpose. Yeah. SVU is definitely about casting people mm-hmm. to make you like they don't. They're like, we want you to notice this person. Like, stunt casting, and Eric Roberts, 
I mean, I feel like him being on a Law and Order is like a given. It's not like like the most random one was Julia Roberts, an original Law and Order. So it was definitely like a hey, look who we got on the show. <laughs> and Eric Roberts is kind of that halfway point between a famous actor who they want you to recognize and a sort of reliable character actor that they can like bring on and have them do the part. Which I think you can see that in this episode too because they gave him a scene against Chris Maloney where it's like an act off part <laughs> as, oppo- as opposed to as opposed to you know the, how in the original Law and Order you get maybe someone gets to cry on the bench or something like that yeah. or, or be a judge or something like that. <laughs> they don't usually stunt cast the judges unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, actually, they, they they let Candace Bergen be a judge a couple times. I thought that there was kind of weird. <laughs> That's great, actually. Okay, let's break it down. We're, we've run yeah. out of time for SVU. We got to say, does this episode confirm or refute the theme of this uh, of this entire podcast, which is that <laughs> Eric Roberts is the fucking man? Let's start with you, Brandon. Fucking man or no? I'm going to say yes, based on the strength of his weird um, late '90s, early 2000 flannel tucked into jeans ensemble. <laughs> It's a good enough reason. We've done it on clothes before. Todd, what do you say? I'm going to give it a fucking man, yes. All right. And I will confirm with my two uh, wonderful co-hosts today that, yes, Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Law & Order Special Victims Unit 2001 episodes called (laughs) Victims. Check it out. It's actually a pretty entertaining episode. I have to say I was pretty pleased with it all around, which I wish I could say about something else I watched recently. huh? Well, anyway, a little off topic. We'll talk about... Law and Order Criminal Intent, right after this break. Back, Law and Order, Criminal Intent. This episode is called Betrayed from 2008. And I have a really, really long plot summary here, but we're not going to get into it. I will say that the plot of this episode was completely fucking ludicrous. Like, really (laughs) crazy. It involves a crime novel writer who is trying to trick the police and she has a uh, she has a previous relationship with the police because she used to be one and she also has a relationship with Eric Bogosian who looks which is I mean, totally fake because no one on earth would ever be attracted to Eric Bogosian I'm so glad you said that <laughs> no, I'm so glad you said that Brandon because the- Eric Bogosian is the bizarro Eric Roberts meaning yeah he's horrible and nobody likes him He's so like in this episode, and again, I think this is maybe one of two episodes of Criminal Intent I've ever seen. He's not only horrific looking, <laughs> which is so difficult to accept a very attractive woman who wants this horrific looking man, but also is completely in the wrong the whole episode and acts like an asshole about it to everybody. <laughs> and almost like lets a killer get a, a serial killer. He almost lets her go yeah, free because I... he thinks she likes him. It's really strange. Oh, I, I, 
Yeah, I agree. Um, anyway, he, Brandon. Eric Bogosian, just so you know, he was written off on Law and Order by being brutally murdered. Oh. Excellent. Oh, that's... Now, we're, of course, not criticizing Eric Bogosian as a performer or as a writer. Of course, he's a very talented writer in real life, just as a horrific-looking human being. <laughs> you're a great writer, you know, but you're I'm fucking I'm criticizing idiot. him a little bit on his performance. I just basically, I'm like, I don't want to have to watch you on Law and Order. Get out of here. Go away. Sir, you are, you are criticizing the villain from Under Siege 2. Pretty much. I hope you understand. He was terrible at that. <laughs> he was awful in that. Yeah, I guess. I, I have no affection for... Him in this role at all And in this episode certainly didn't help with that What is the deal with criminal intent, Brandon? It is um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's actually my second favorite mm-hmm. when, it, when it's not It has its clunkers This one is definitely from the, uh, the period Where it was kind of losing steam And the feeling I feel like there, there's like two or three years where it seemed like nobody involved with the show wanted to be making the show anymore. <laughs> like, it's like, you could tell the writers are checked out. Maybe the cast is checked out. Like just lose. So that's, it's from that era. Um, what, 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 the, what makes it your second favorite? What is, what's so great about the, it? For the first like five years are pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's, um, <laughs> Which, it's, it's, a, it's another mostly investigative uh, law and order spinoff. There's not much law, and it's sort of modeled after like Columbo a little bit. Right. It's um, you see like the the concept is you see the criminals doing their crime, interspersed with the police tracking them down. And sometimes it's not really clear what the criminals are doing, but <laughs> sort of like the two lines usually intersect where you figure out what it's all about. And the police figure it out, and then the main investigator, who's usually Vincent D'Onofrio, puts him down in an interrogation room and gets him to break because he's so good psychologically. Um, and it, I, I like it because it seems a little more um, like New Yorky. Sure. And in its first couple years, it was uh, uh, it's it sort of it, it holds up in reruns, like it's stuff that's not based on like a headline or current right. event. It's based on like a plot, like, Oh, these criminals are planning something or they have a, it's like a caper and it's like, who did this? Let's find So it's like a mystery. And I think from what I've read, it's the law and order that has been um, adapted the most in other countries. Oh, that's interesting. Like it travels the best across, you know, language and culture lines. I mean that, that Vincent D'Onofrio role is one that you could see almost every actor in the world wanting to have, yeah. right? Because it's such a showy role. Yeah. And what is up with Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> in the show? Um, it, it's kind of weird because they, they, they sort of played up his eccentricities like as the series went on to the point where he was like, he went from being like, oh, he's really smart and notices a lot of things to, oh, he is crazy. And he had to be like temporarily taken off the force from being too crazy, going yeah, over. Wasn't he uh, like uh, committed at one point in the series? Um, he went, un- he pretended to be legitimately crazy <laughs> to go undercover. That's right. At an asylum without his superiors knowing, and then their reaction was, 
uh, that kind of means you're crazy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one would do that. <laughs> what would you think it would be like if a character like Lenny Briscoe was taken out of OG Line Order and brought into this universe? Well, he, I mean, he, he was in one of the first episodes. They had to get oh. some information from him. Well, how about at this at this point in the series? But, but I think that a, a Lenny Briscoe, he would work well because he's a gumshoe. He's like, that's true. You know, it's the same role of like you have to be a detective and get information, and then occasionally the character provides like a little, little bit of quirky color. You know, like says something weird, has a little joke. Like that's kind of the classic Law and Order detective role. Todd, are you a fan of Criminal Intent? Um, I was early on. I kind of liked um, Vincent D'Onofrio's performance. That kind of uh, um, drew me into it because I, I found his quirks and ticks to be amusing. And I thought that it did work on a Columbo uh, level, which I'm a really big fan of. But uh, Yeah, me too, actually. I, I actually kind of lost interest. It, it seems like... Uh, they brought in Chris Noth for a little while, and sometimes mm-hmm. you would get episodes with Chris Noth, and sometimes you would get some with Vincent D'Onofrio, and it would go back and forth, and I kind of lost the thread of it around that time. He, his performance in this particular episode is really interesting because he is so twitchy, right? I mean, it's hard. Like, of course, you have to watch him when he's on screen, and he's Vincent D'Onofrio, very good actor, and, and he has a lot of charisma, and he brings it to the role. But it's also, I found myself getting annoyed with him while watching him. It's just like, just spit it out, buddy. <laughs> just tell us what you're thinking. But I guess, you know, that is the classic structure of one of these kind of shows. Um, but but I, I know that both of you have more to say on, on that subject. But, Brandon, I want to get your thoughts. What did you think of this episode? Um, I, I, it was, I, I watched this again because it just happened to be on TV a couple weeks ago. Sure. And... First of all, Eric Roberts kind of he, – he, again, is like a red herring, like a, oh, we think it's this guy. Oh, it wasn't this guy. I felt sort of like like this being a 2008 episode versus the 2001 episode we just watched, that it's actually sort of representative of where Eric Roberts' career was in 2001 <laughs> versus 2008 because his part in this episode is very much reduced compared to that other episode. Yeah. But, but 2008, he was writing that uh, Dark Knight High I imagine this might have been filmed before that Or maybe at the same time <laughs> Maybe that's why he's only in it for a minute So, so sorry, continue So, so you You, um, you thought I, I he's felt, the red herring I felt in this episode. like uh, I, I was surprised that he didn't show Up again He was just yeah. sort of like forgotten by the episode Like It wasn't very clear Like, Oh, did they clear him? There was never that moment where you're like Oh, it's not him they just sort of like moved on. Maybe there's like a cut scene or something. <laughs> Maybe he had to go home or something <laughs> like that. It's, it, it is a very strange appearance. Like, like I watched this one first, which was very a really wa- uh, odd thing because it was so much later and because his part is so much smaller. For those who haven't seen the episode, so the, basically there's a, uh, a crime writer who has a much uh, younger lover and Eric Roberts also, he has a much younger lover. Uh, and the two young people run off together. And Eric Roberts is at first suspected very strongly because he has an abusive past. And in this case, he's just a total asshole the whole time. Um, but he gets cleared, sort of, at some point in the episode. Has this great scene where he comes out with a video camera <laughs> to, to all the, the reporters. And he's like, you know, basically, hey, look, I've been cleared. I'm videotaping all of you. And that's it. 
Then he's gone from the episode. It really does seem like, hey, isn't there supposed to be more with this guy? Or is he going to show up later on? But no, that's it. It was a little bit strange. What did you think of the episode, Todd? Uh, I wasn't a big fan of it. It seemed very convoluted. You know, it has the Scooby-Doo ending. You don't say. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was just all over the place. I just remember thinking the whole time, this is why I stopped watching Criminal Intent. Like, (laughs) it's just not for me. And, uh, yeah, Eric Roberts just vanishes, like he does in, like, a lot of his uh, direct-to-video movies, where they use him at the beginning, and then, poof, he's gone for the rest of the thing, like an afterthought. The thing is, in the other episode we watched, it was it was it felt like special guest Eric yeah, Roberts is in it. Yeah, in this yeah. episode, it was, oh, we need an actor to play this part. It just happens to be Eric Roberts. <laughs> it was really weird, really strange to see, actually. Um, and uh, I should note, by the way, the director of this episode, whose name escapes me, he went on to direct a bunch of episodes of Suits, which also features Eric Roberts. What do you think about that, Todd? Um, that's uh, amazing. I, I, I <laughs> could not possibly be a coincidence <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the plot is incredibly convoluted And very, again, for someone who, like me Who's more, uh, has more experience with the original Law and Order It seemed particularly so Because the twists and turns start coming so quickly Especially near the end That I, <laughs> I sort of lost the plot a little bit I was like, what the fuck is going on? And how are they going to convince this woman to And this, this is especially Columbo-esque Which is that they... they Bring a bunch of like circumstantial evidence and just accuse her of a bunch of shit, and then she just breaks down and, <laughs> and admits <laughs> to everything. When of course all the stuff that she's been accused of, she could totally and like she doesn't just get banged for that one murder. She gets banged for like <laughs> like her previous oh, that's husband. Right. And it was like, oh, you you also killed your first husband, and we're just yeah, gonna find we, out we about have it. his body in a van right behind you, right there. <laughs> Do you want to see it? Like she couldn't just say, yeah, they wanted to threaten me to look at my <laughs> exhumed corpse of my ex-husband. <laughs> I also like, and this is something you see on Law Order sometimes, is that they can't use real brands on the show, so they couldn't use <laughs> Viagra, which is, this guy, her ex-husband, apparently died while he had two male prostitutes and a whole bunch of Viagra in his system, and too much, that ended up giving him a heart attack. There's nothing convoluted about that. What was it called, Todd, in V-power. the episode? V-Power. <laughs> the little blue pill. V-Power is what gave him his super boner that ended up destroying his heart. Um, so, yeah, they exhume him, and thankfully, there's just enough of his liver left that they could test. It's a really crazy episode. I'll be honest, explaining it now to you makes me enjoy it more than when I was actually watching it. Uh, it is ludicrous. Yeah. But, uh, but I guess if, if you're really... If you, I mean, there's, there is an inherent value or an inherent enjoyment of seeing someone who thinks that they're smarter than the cop, right? They're like, oh, I'm, I'm playing them for all they're worth. And then at the end, they get their comeuppance, and it's really, like, it's really satisfying. I didn't find it very satisfying in this episode because part of them being played involved her pretending to want to fuck Eric Pogosi. <laughs> <laughs> and his weird troll-like features just kept throwing me. And again, I don't want to be mean, but he's such a monster of a human being. <laughs> <laughs> that it's really difficult to watch. It's like him, that guy. Like, could you have brought in like anybody else? <laughs> yeah, I. Do. What what really gets my goat about Eric Roberts being on Criminal Intent is that he was brought in to replace their captain. So he was the cat. He was the boss. No, not Eric Roberts. Um, uh, Eric Bogosian. Yeah, Eric Bogosian. Sorry. And it's so who like, did he replace? It's like I do not want that guy to be in a position of power. <laughs> like, the fact that he's, like, the guy they answer to it makes me furious. Because I'm like, no. He should be, like, the janitor in the squad room. 
I just like that Eric Bogosian was super cop who managed to rise all the way up to yeah. captain. Yeah. <laughs> it was a different era, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's interesting. So when Eric Bogosian was written off the show, who replaced him on the show? Um Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. Oh, that's good. See? She's great. Hey, I have a question for you, uh, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Now, you're a fan of the original Law & Order. Elizabeth Rome was on that show for yes. a while. And she, uh, she was on an episode of Celebrity Ghost Stories. What? <laughs> which, which featured Eric Roberts because there was a point where she thought her house was haunted, but it ended up that her house was haunted, but it just wanted her to live in it. <laughs> It's a really, it's a fucking crazy show. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but Elizabeth Rome, she left Law and Order in very unusual circumstances. And I tried to explain it on that show, but you might know it a little bit better. If I remember correctly, she left and on her final episode, she revealed that she was a lesbian, but that was like really it confusing. Was, it was basically the moment Law and Order jumped the shark. Right. Like it was, you just to back up a little bit, like it had been... Weirdly, I think like 2002, 2003, I think was its, not its like quality zenith. I think it kind of, mm-hmm. its quality zenith was like before 2000. But it its popularity was 2002, 2003. But they'd already like the DA had left and been switched out with uh, Fred Thompson, who is... God rest his soul. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, God rest his soul, but not... <laughs> the best actor no um he's no adam schiff that is for fucking that is that yeah exactly like with adam schiff he was like gentle and fatherly and fred thompson was like just do what i say blah 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 (laughs) it's a pretty good impression actually and they replaced angie harman was elizabeth rome and it's kind of strange because her acting got it didn't start bad but it got bad while she was on the show. Like she became stiffer. And like her readings got a little like weirder. Like she was just like reading a card. It felt like maybe she was spooked because of that haunting. Oh, that's, I, you know, I don't want to say that's what it was, but it seems like it has to be what it was. Probably what it was. Hey, I have a question for you, Brandon. Uh, in, in the later era, uh, like yeah. right before I think it was canceled, the DA was this actor. I don't know who he was, but he was a British guy yeah. doing an American accent, and I couldn't watch the show anymore because his not good American accent kept throwing me. Was that was that was that a general opinion that people had? Because I had other mm. people telling me that he was great. Yeah, I really liked him. He's uh, his name is Linus Roche. Um, Linus, eh? Yeah, and he is uh, famous for being Bruce Wayne's father in Batman Begins. So I was See, like, now that I think about that, of course that's who he was. I was like, Batman's dad is the DA. I'm like, sold. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, I, I I I hear what you're saying, uh, Todd. I got to cut to you right now. Um, I can't remember at what point I stopped talking to you about criminal intent. I know that you've already given your opinion on <laughs> oh, this wait, episode. I didn't did finish the Elizabeth Rome story. Do you want? Oh, do you sorry. Want me to? Yes. Yeah, please. Because we can just leave it dangling as a thread. No, no, no. I want okay, I want so, there to be so, closure. It was already kind of fraying from the edges where with like some cast switches. Like the cast wasn't super gelling like it had been in the 90s. Like, you know, it's kind of you take out something and replace it and it's not. Uh, anyway. And then Jerry Orbach left. And I think Elizabeth Rome was thinking of leaving at the same time, but they're like, no, 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 stay for like half a year because we don't want to have to 
like switch out two people. So she's like, oh, okay. So she left halfway through the 15th season, I think. Um, it was the first season of Dennis Farina replacing Jerry Orbach. All right. God rest his soul. Um, and so it was like they do go through the case and Elizabeth Rome has some dust up with Fred Thompson's character. I don't really remember what it was about. The episode ends with her going to his office and being like, they, it, it's just a weird flat scene where she's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry for <laughs> stating my opinion about the thing. And she was, he was like, no, you don't have to be sorry. But I'm sorry, I have to fire you. And it was like, <laughs> he was firing her over like some like, oh, you can't be too sensitive. It wasn't like anything she'd legally done wrong. It was just like, uh, I don't know. He, he was just like, no, I have to fire you. And she just goes, is this because I'm a lesbian? And he just goes, no, no, of course not. And she like nods. And then like, that's it. That's the episode. That's, it ends. <laughs> dun, and there's <laughs> never any like tacit reference to her being a, in like in four, she's on the show for I think four years, I think, or three and a half maybe. And never any hint of that. In fact, I think there's one where she mentions like an ex-boyfriend, which, you know, isn't necessarily like a mutually exclusive thing, but it's kind of like you are not, pl- the writers were not planting seeds. They were just like, hey, how about in this one episode, we just put this in at the very end to try to make this, I don't know, an interesting character. Like, <laughs> instead, everybody was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, not the fact that she's a lesbian, but the fact that that is how they put that out there. Like, that's how you deal with, like, a character issue? Like, why would you, why would you, what? Like, it just was, just, it was an insane piece of writing, acted terribly. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was just like, what? Like, where, what, where did that come from? Why did you bring that up? I remember at that point in the show, Law and Order wasn't exactly water cooler talk. But I remember the yeah, exactly. next day after that, after that episode aired, people came up like, like I was talking to people like, "Did you see Law and Order last night?" They're like, "What the fuck was that about?" <laughs> it was so weird. It was super weird, and it's it's doubly weird because Law and Order, at least the original show, doesn't do stuff like that. They don't try <laughs> to like. Ooh, be provocative or like drop a little cur- like. You know, like, oh, it turns out this character has been in jail before. This guy yeah, has right. this. Like, they don't try to do that. Yeah. Like, they don't. There's no There's no reason to even. Like, Law & Order is usually the type of show where just matter of fact, they'd be like, oh, yeah, she was a lesbian for five years on the show. You didn't know that? Like, right. it'd just be like an, a part of the fabric instead of, like throwing a spotlight on like why are you making this it's so it's weird it was super weird it's just the strangest exit todd uh since we're running out of time here uh uh, i just need to ask you since we've obviously been talking a lot about criminal intent here um eric robertson has a very small part in this episode does uh did it shake your foundation your belief that eric roberts is the fucking man um no, not at all. I thought he played the uh, the sleaze ball pretty well. So in my book, he's still the fucking man. How about that scene where he uh, 
where she's trying to in in the interrogation room, she's trying to get him angry so he'll show his true colors. Oh no, wait, was oh, that yeah, this one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that was in the uh, yeah, that was in Criminal Intent. Yeah, all right. I guess they all blend together. I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> Brandon, over to you. Eric Roberts was he the fucking man in this episode or not? Uh, I'm going to say he was by virtue oh, of him okay. being like, you know what? I'm better than this episode. I'm leaving. See you later. That's right. Peace out, everybody. Halfway <laughs> yeah. through, you're not going to see me again at all. <laughs> well, that's good enough. I, I, uh, I, um, hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mark. I'm an easy mark for, uh, for Eric Roberts. So I will say that uh, despite the fact that I don't remember what he was wearing in the episode, he is the fucking man. And uh, that comes... Uh, that brings this episode, this segment of the episode, to a close. Our Law & Order portion of the episode has now come to an end. Two episodes, Criminal Intent, SVU, both featuring Eric Roberts in what we can only say are legendary performances, ones that you're going to want to go back and revisit again and again. Uh, I'm not sure it has necessarily convinced me to seek out more Criminal Intent episodes. But check out more SVU, like that Chris Maloney, like that Eric Roberts. Going to check it out. But maybe I'll stick with the uh, OG uh, when, I, uh, when I only have a small amount of time, which is usually. Let's take our final break. We're going to come back. We're going to promote some stuff. We're going to tell you what's going to be on the next episode of the show. Why don't you join us right after this? And the episode comes to a close. Uh, and I just want to take an opportunity to thank so much Brandon Bird for not just bringing his expertise on Eric Roberts, but also especially his, his expertise on the Law & Order franchise. I feel like <laughs> I grilled you on all of your Law & Order knowledge, Brandon. Thank you so much for, for taking some time out of your very busy schedule to be on Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man. Well, thank you for letting me talk about some of my favorite things. <laughs> now, uh, you are a world-famous artist. Everyone loves your work. I have some in my apartment. My sister, I bought some for her because she loves your work so much. She'll be uh, thrilled to listen to this podcast for the very first time just to hear you talk uh, about Eric Roberts. Where can people find your work? Where can they purchase it? Where can they discover more about Brandon Bird? They can go to a website called – this is – pausing a little bit to get you like a time to get a pen or something brandonbird.com brandonbird.com and now you're also on the social media i understand oh yes the facebook and the twitter my twitter is brandon underscore bird and if you just do a search for brandon bird on google i bet it'd bring up all sorts of stuff oh probably like pictures and those websites brandon, i just if, mentioned brandon if a listener wanted to buy one thing from you just one off of your website. What should they buy? What's the, what's the key thing they should be purchasing for, for the holiday season? They should go to store.brandonbird.com and then sort by price, highest mm -hmm. to lowest, and then just buy right. the most expensive thing. Right, of course. That, what is the most expensive thing? Uh, probably, I don't know, an original painting. Yeah, you know, that's, absolutely. That's what they should do. They should buy an original yeah. painting. Or they could get like... Uh, Nicholas Cage color forms for 10 bucks. Um, I have a book with all my art in it called Brandon Bird's Astonishing World of Art. You can maybe get that at bookstores and the internet. 
buy um, buy it all. Yeah, buy every yeah. everything he's talking about. I will tell. Look, I'm going to make a promise to the listeners right now. If you go over to brandonbird.com, which you should be doing right now, this is you're smart enough to download a podcast. You can p- pull it up on your phone. Come on, just put it up. And when you start looking through his art, you'll be like, oh, I need this. I need this on my wall. I need this in my home. And when you go to that store, you're not going to be able to stop yourself. Look, this episode, it's coming out at the end of November. Christmas. Holidays are right around the corner. Christmas or whatever your bag is, just go and purchase and give or keep. You can also keep. <laughs> I'm not going to judge, but just, just buy as much as possible. That's what I'm saying. Buy, buy, buy. That is the lesson you should take away from this episode. Thank you. <laughs> So much, Brandon, and we do hope that everyone listening does go out and purchase some of your wonderful work. Todd, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Film Fiend, or you can find me talking about horror and shit over at Dread Central. More, more horror than shit, I hope. Ah, uh, well, it kind of goes hand in hand sometimes. Half all right. Well, that's not bad. Uh, you can, of course, find me over at dailygrindhouse.com, writing about genre and no-budget filmmaking. You can find me on my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at nobudgetpodcast.com or over on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can, of course, find out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man at ericrobertsistheman.com. Well, you can check that out on Twitter as well at E-R-I-T-F-M. There's also a Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Facebook group. Just do a search for Eric Roberts is the Man on Facebook. On the next episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, we will have special guest writer Justine Smith from Canada, which is where I am. And we're going to be talking about two more Eric Roberts classics, the 1980s film Raggedy Man, followed by the uh, recent, semi-recent horror movie Camp Dread uh, should be a pretty interesting combination. Maybe look Law and Order to Raggedy Man. We're we're, we're running the scope here on Eric Roberts <laughs> is the fucking man. We're we're seeing all there is to offer in the Eric Roberts verse, as you all well know. I hope you'll join us on that episode. Brandon, thank you again so much. Todd, thank you as always. Well, thank you. We will be with you. Oh, you don't need to thank me. Of course, thank Todd, you. Todd. Thank you, Doug, for making this all possible. The pleasure is all mine. We hope everyone listening will return in just two weeks. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. 